Welcome to the Garbled Podcast Season 2, a brand new 52-episode collection with a new take on the old format, 52 new conversations about society and what influences it. So without further ado, we present what is being referred to for copyright reasons as the more recent half of 100 plus 2 of the Garbled Podcast, New 52. I'm just saying that... Bruce Wayne definitely Menendez his his parents. You That's think it. that Bruce Wayne killed his parents? Look, dude, they would have had Barty guards. They were billionaires. <laughs> okay. The the whole alley thing is is BS. Anyway. So No, I want to explore that further. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, folks? Welcome to the Garble Podcast. I am Ramon. And I am Nick. And yeah, that's 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 essentially it. it. That's, I, there's no one else this week. These folks have been through this before. They know how the format goes. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> uh, if you're still listening, <laughs> and we uh, thank you for that. Yeah, seriously. Um, so uh, this week we're going to explore a topic that we've kind of touched on in the past, but we've never really gone into like. Yeah, we mentioned things about you know our new robot overlords and. And things that are coming down the pike, and how we're going to be affected by those changes. But we never really talked about the core subject or, or the study of thought of futurism. Yeah, so we're going to be talking futurism, which is the idea of um, what humanity's future will be, and, and and also how do we get there? Like what the next steps are, and and implementing those steps, actually working towards it, as opposed to something that is actually just happening organically by our day-to-day lives changing minutely every day yeah but before we do that we're gonna do what we always do which is news folks and before that wow good yeah that was longer than i thought and before that, we should also mention that we are brought to you today by two sponsors. Oh, we have sponsorship. We have sponsors. Uh, we, well, sponsors. We yeah. have... Uh, Air quotes. Fr- friends of the show. Um, by uh, First is Valenza Wood. Uh, Valenza Wood for all of your uh, woodworking needs. Uh, you can check them out at valenzawood.com. And uh, also... I lost my... Okay. Uh, we are also brought to you by uh, Soylent Orange. Soylent Orange. It's Esogians. It's made out of Esogians. Do you get that reference? No, I didn't get that reference at all. That's, that's the the uh, that's the alien race from ET. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, no, I. I uh... Okay, that one fell flat. So we're brought to you today by Valenza Wood. <laughs> or and we'll know. edit that other part out. Legend Forge Studio. <laughs> don't, don't start calling out real oh, names. Well, I mean, like, well, I, we I actually did. have sponsorship, so uh, I, I can call out whoever the hell I want. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, that that that's how I'm going to play it. Legend Forge <laughs> Studios uh, for your special effects needs. Yes, proud sponsors of our podcast, but not really. Shut up. So I'll start, if you don't mind. No, no, by news. all means. Because I'm super excited because friend of the show, Elon Musk, had a, another uh, milestone this week. Uh, 
he uh, his SpaceX company successfully uh, docked with the uh, International Space Station with a I guess they're calling it a manned unmanned flight. Did you hear about this at all? No, a little bit, yeah. Okay, so they basically launched a rocket specifically to go dock with the uh, ISS, and it had, you know, dummy passengers. Uh, so, you know, crash dummies, I guess you could... They would probably look different, but essentially that's what they were testing was that they could get pilots up to the International Space Station to actually uh, dock successfully. In the past, when they've sent supplies up, to the International Space Station, what has happened is they've kind of parked alongside, and then the ISS used uh, arms to guide it into place. What they were basically specifically testing this time was uh, the docking procedure coming from the ship itself. Okay. And guess who had the biggest problem with... all of this, by the way, I should back up, is to get funding from the U.S. government to handle the transport of their people up to the International Space Station. Oh, wow. Who? What do you mean? All our passengers. So we don't have to launch from Russia anymore. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's uh, that's the government bid that they're basically up for. It's te- – uh, I keep saying Tesla. It's SpaceX – and Boeing that are vying for this uh, for this contract to be able to provide transport to scientists and other astronauts to go up to the ISS mm-hmm. uh, from the from American soil. Uh, right now, they're they're always blasting off from uh, what was it um, Kazakhstan? That they did you know that? Uh, uh, sort of. Yeah, I they knew. go up on a Soyuz rocket mm-hmm. from uh, that's launched from Kazakhstan. At a considerable cost, a uh, billion, like, not a billion dollars. It might be a billion dollars. It's, a, it's an insane amount of money that they have to uh, pay for the round-trip ticket for the Russian government to send up uh, our contingent to the International Space Station. Um, uh, SpaceX can do it for less, but they had to prove it before they could get the contract. So they successfully docked this test flight with uh, the ISS. The biggest contractor to this was the Russians. Obviously, of they're going to lose some yeah. revenue. But beyond that, you know what their their biggest gripe was or their biggest concern was? No, what? It was that the International Space Station was about to be docked um, with a ship that had has no secondary docking tech. Okay, so for everybody who doesn't know what that means... If they were going to dock, right? Like, okay, you're flying your starship or whatever, right? Right, right, right. As one does. As one does. And you're going to go dock, right? And you're, the docking navigation computer crapped out. Okay. Right? You would go to your manual backup or whatever, right? Right. This rocket has none of that. Huh. It either works or, or it, it doesn't. Don't. Okay. Okay? So they had a, they had a problem with that. And you know what? Building in redundancy is probably something that happens. But, you know, Elon likes to do things, and he likes to do them right, or they don't happen at all. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, it works how it's supposed to, or it doesn't. So he went with his model of one system, and uh, it worked. They were able to dock, and they were able to retrieve the dummies to put on the space station for means of the test. 
uh, it'll be docked until the next, I guess, window or whatever for their return, and then they'll go through the process to return these dummies to uh, to the uh, landing site, and that will f- complete the test for the go- uh, the U.S. federal government to approve funding. Wow! So they're halfway through, um, but these were the difficult parts. The rest of it's just reentry, which he's done a hundred times, or not probably a hundred times, but f- at fifty at least, where they'll be able to. Uh, re-enter and pilot that uh, uh, capsule back to a specific location, which is a whole thing that he, you know, that's what the cornerstone of SpaceX is being able to pilot parts of the spacecraft back to where they are supposed to be so they can be reused. Right. So they've done that part. So this was really the difficult part. It's been completed and done, so they're probably going to get the contract over Boeing, which is uh, good news for their shareholders, the entire company. And as Elon uh, put it, it's been really emotionally exhausting uh, for him, and uh, this is a big, big relief uh, because uh, essentially, you know, SpaceX hasn't made any money. I mean, they're they're you know pioneering new tech here. Um, you don't make money in that for many, many years, and they've been doing things for many, many years. So this is the opportunity to start monetizing that company. And then from there, part of the pun, sky's, sky's the limit. Okay. Awesome. Well, you know, I've, I've said this before. Um, you know, Elon Musk was my guy for 2018. And uh, <laughs> one of my one of my people for 2018. And uh, um, Like for running for government? No, just, I mean, well, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to... Well, he's South African, so... Right. He's not going to be president. But he could be a, uh, uh, a representative. But anyway, um, I wouldn't be opposed to actually having someone that knows what the hell they're talking about doing things in government. I, yeah. I know that. I mean... Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me It at doesn't all. make any sense because we've gone yeah. from what was at one point the politician that was the most clever person or the one of the most clever people in the room to... You know, complete idiots who don't know anything about anything. Who appeal to the people. Who appeal to the people. Because I can sit down and have a beer with him, because that's more uh, important. My eyes are rolling. You can't see it right now, but... Yeah. There you go. There, I did it again. (laughs) All right, so my news story is... uh, uh, Well, Nick, how... My news story is uh, um, a little science-related as well. The U.S. has already had more measles cases in 2019 than they had for the whole of 2017. And I want to point out that it is March 3rd. So in Uh the first two months of 2019, we have had more measles outbreaks in 2017 than 2017 i'd be curious to see the 2018 numbers but i assume it was a also precipitous rise 159 individual measles cases in 10 different states Uh. approximately 50 percent of which were linked to an outbreak near clark county washington state and portland oregon by comparison, there was 120 cases back in 2017 and 86 cases in 2016. Have scientists, given where the outbreak epicenter is, have they considered that flannel is somehow transmitting measles? <laughs> uh, no. What's allowing what's allowing these uh, measles outbreaks to happen is mosquitoes. Uh, Jesus, Nick. 
it, it's misinformation and it's people. It's misinformation. <laughs> just you can just tell somebody fake news and they get measles. Well, oh my no. god! It, is, it, is that a biological upgrade to people, rejecting fake news? It's these anti-vaxxers and misinformation. So people think there, there's um, part of what I was reading in the article is that uh, there's a, a large group of parents now that apparently think it's completely and absolutely healthy for their children to. Um, get measles on their own and develop an immunity to it, like a chicken pox party. Right, like a chicken pox party. Okay, so it's the uh, McCarthy effect. R- well, explain to everybody what a chicken pox party was. Chicken pox uh, back in the day when that was a thing. Wait, is this still a thing? Uh, chicken pox. Uh, it's it's making a comeback. Is it making? It, yeah, I'm, I mean, don't call well, it a comeback. It's don't. it's been here for years. Yeah. Um, no, uh, so chicken pox parties were basically when. Uh, because you're only supposed to be able to get it once, and if you get it when you're an adult, it's then shingles, and that could be fatal. Oh, no, well, no, 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 that's not true. What uh, is that? At oh, any fake time, news? no. At I any apologize. Point in time, you can develop shingles if you've ever had chicken pox. Oh, uh, oh, seriously? But as an yes, as an oh, adult. I thought one, one was a, a, the adult version no, of the other. No, shingles. You so if you've ever had chicken pox and you, you get can, it again, it's shingles. No, you oh, okay. can you at any I'm point in time if you've had chicken pox, you can develop shingles. So like like I had the chicken pox when I was like eight, okay, right? eight or nine. And if um, you know, tomorrow I could wake up and have a shingles outbreak. Okay. So what's the thing with adult chicken pox then? Is that well, term differently? To be, supposedly, it's supposed to be. It is a little bit more severe as an adult because. You know, your body's not meant to go through that. Right. Uh, but measles is completely different from chicken pox. Uh, right. It, it looks, it presents it looks, similar. It presents similar. But, but yeah, and, and what the chicken pox parties was, forget what I said about adults, we'll edit that out later. Um, basically, parents would uh, find out a child in the neighborhood was uh, had had chicken pox and they would bring all their kids over and they would all play together so that all of them could get it and, and get, get it, it out, out of the way. way. Right. And that was the that was the mindset. But mind that's you, the acceptable practice. Is it not today? In uh, fe- purposefully infecting your children? Uh, no, you don't want to purposely infect your children with something that I mean, well, chicken pox is not. Well, so wait, bad. wait. Isn't that what inoculations are? Or immunizations? No, because with an immunization, you're actually getting a weakened dose of the illness, and your meaning body- meaning your immune system is not ready to handle the full-on disease. Exactly. If you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. <laughs> Except it's not a boxing match, Nick. And, and that- <laughs> you can't you can't outmaneuver chicken pox and you can't outmaneuver measles hey just because you haven't doesn't mean that i can't well i mean let me tell you something rick flair no measles is although it presents similar to chicken pox it's way worse and it could lead to potential brain damage oh well that's not funny no it's not funny at all and that's the thing it's we've had what is it almost 160 what was it 160 he said said 159 159 so we've had almost 160 outbreaks of it in two months in two months okay uh, and unfortunately based on the article that i was reading this this is going to be a thing is this the zombie apocalypse? No, it's not the zombie okay. apocalypse, but you're you're talking about exposing your children to something 
that they don't have to be exposed to. Like we've, it, it's it, it would be the equivalent. Really interesting. It would be the equivalent of giving somebody polio. Okay. You know, we've completely eradicated polio, right? Because we because we developed a cure for it, and there's an immunization for it, right? But so polio could also be on the horizon for the non-vaxxers, yes? It's a possibility. It's it, everything. Be, everything comes back on the table because. A select few people want to reject, and and the person that's really to blame with this, because I did my research, is Jenny McCarthy. That's why I said it was the McCarthy effect. Yeah, uh, Jenny McCarthy. Uh, <laughs> uh, a couple of talk, years back, talk about and and, and uh, prior to the advent of fake news, by the way, mm-hmm. before that was a hashtag, before that was a pound sign. Jenny McCarthy went out and talked about how. Uh, vaccinating your children can lead to autism, right? Right. It was autism? Right. That, but it turns out that her son isn't autistic at all. He was mig- misdiagnosed. Yes, but she went on a crusade. She because, went on a crusade. Yes. But this is what happens when you have somebody who is not an expert in the field that they're talking about. Just spreading information, they end up spreading misinformation. And getting, getting airtime. And getting airtime. I mean, airtime. can you imagine... Just giving anybody a microphone and having them talk about it's problematic. What they're right? Yeah, it's problematic. Okay, so this was the but last what, episode of the Garble <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> but I think the difference between us and what Jenny McCarthy did was that we don't proclaim ourselves to be experts in anything. You know, like I, I tell people I have did a science you? background. Okay, and, but- and I'm versed in this. But by no means am I an expert, and we're constantly telling people to, hey, if you don't believe us, go check. And then tell us about it. We, and, the, and we do tell it, uh, and we we stand by that statement. If we're wrong or if you believe we're wrong, bring us information so that we can grow and learn, and that's what a conversation is. Right. No, um, but absolutely. was jumping on Mike and was like, no, this is it. This is the cause. This is what happened. Don't do this. Don't do that. The, the, the danger of that also being that the shows that she was on did not stipulate, and nor did she, that she was not an expert and that this was an opinion piece and because it was became a crusade for her. And, and I, you, I mean, yeah. you, see, you, see, you see things like that. that um, Have you heard from her since her son was... Uh, Rediagnosed as not being autistic? No, no, not because, a word, right? Because well, her 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 thing was that uh, she was able to correct his autism through diet and exercise. What? Yeah. Why is she not promoting that? Why is the Jenny McCarthy diet for non-autism not a book? Because it's bullshit. That's why. <laughs> oh, oh, right, it's absolute they, bullshit. And nobody publishes. Nobody publishes bullshit. Right. We'll, we'll let that pause for a second. <laughs> Let's let that breathe. No, but I, 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 come on, man. It's 2019, and, like, you, you remember last, uh, was it a year or two ago, that there was the, that whole outbreak of, um, I can't remember if it was measles or what. It was in um, at Disney World. There was a, a, a non-vaxxer family that went to Disney World and ended up infecting you know, hundreds of people just by by having their kids run around Disney World. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's it's a scary idea or thought because I'm a parent and I like to take my kids. I like to take my kid to to um, 
to events, you know, mm-hmm. and just to think that he might be at like Six Flags or something playing with some other kids who are well, not okay. vaccinated. Okay. Uh, it, and and this is maybe more of a question about vaccination itself and not necessarily about well, specific diseases. Okay. But it, 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 your child is vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And I'm not making a statement. I'm saying as a hypothetical. Okay. Good. And it goes and plays with another child that is not who is also carrying the disease. Right. Shouldn't you be good? Your kid? Unless they're Unless carrying a take? mutated strand. Because this is the thing that people forget is that illnesses evolve just like everything that's alive. And um, let's say that you're, you know, like they get, they come out with the flu shot every year, right? And people are like, oh, because oh, it's I got an updated the flu shot. strain. Yeah. I got the flu shot and I still ended up with the flu. Right. Yeah, because you caught. More often than not, by the way. I hear that way more often yeah, than not. Be, well, because it, 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 that's also part of that whole the loudest, the squeaky wheel gets the oil type thing. Oh, is that what it is? Well, no, the 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 idea that the loudest anybody that gets gets a va- uh, gets a uh, flu shot and then and then doesn't get sick. sick. Like, oh my god, I got sick! And right, but if they the don't, they don't even mention it. Okay, right. you know what? I never considered that. I never considered that. Yeah, and that's what I mean. So, yeah, more often than not, if you got the flu shot and then ended up catching the flu anyway, is because the the particular strand that you were immunized against. You were fine on that one. You encountered a mutated strand. And that's what happens when, like, you know, I I don't think that people realize that immunizing doesn't just protect the person that gets immunized. It protects everybody that's around them as well. Right. Because if they're immunized, it it can't mutate within you and be passed to somebody else. I get it now. Fair. Yeah. So fuck Jenny McCarthy. Wow, wow. Yeah, no, I, I can't stand her. I can't stand her. She's done more damage. And she's done more damage than good. And the fact that, like, she's was never held accountable for, uh, accountable for any of the shit that she did. You know what I mean? Like, there, do you know how many people are out there that prescribe to her, her, her logic? And I'm going to call it logic in the most loosest term mm. of the word. Um, but but fed into what she was saying and didn't immunize their kids or or or. Well, it was it was a hot take, and there's a, a you know a percentage of the population is always going to be susceptible to a hot take like that. Yeah. So I mean, you know, at some point it's yeah, there's some culpability there, but but the damage. But the the, the sad part is that even if she went on mic now, the damage is done. There's no there's no. Like putting the shit back in the horse there. No way for uh, her to speak out about how she was incorrect or spoke out of uh, misinformation or non-information and that she's reversing her position. And then let's hypothetically say 100% of the people that listened to her went, oh, well, she's reversed her position. Oh, she's just flip-flopping. No, no, no. Let me play out the hypothetical. Okay, go ahead. They go, well, I got my information from her, and now she's giving us new information, so I'm also going to take that and act appropriately based on the information I got. And they 100% go and vaccinate their, you know, tween children. Does that work? Or is... I'm asking because I legitimately don't know. Well, I just think... Do you you have to get immunized uh, early 
for it well, to be effective. things that you should be immunized for. Right, but I mean, like, if, like if I've never been immunized and I turn 18 and my parents have no bearing on what I'm doing, can I go and get immunized at that point, or or is it the boat sailed at that point? Uh, we'll find that's a, a medical. Question. That's a good We'll question. find a medical I would, expert. I would, and we'll find out. I would. We'll put our if I talked on it. Oh no, we're good. Thank you. I'll, I'll I'll take a beer. Sure. Thank you. Well, actually, you know what? I'll take a um, the apple cider. Do a chair? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because folks, we're we're live on location. Yes, <laughs> Luckies, who we're uh, we're actively getting a sponsorship with. No, we're not. <laughs> Shh. I'm putting um, it out there. I to would force their hand. I would talk on it, but at this point, I don't really. You know, feel comfortable talking. Yeah, about it well, because- if you don't know, I was asking because I thought maybe um, you you knew one way or the other. If you don't know, yeah, we shouldn't talk about it, right? As something that w- one knows as fact if we don't know it, because then we would just be playing into the McCarthy effect. So that's perfect. Yeah. So let's find out. Uh, that's some homework for us. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be interesting to see uh, how that would work. You know, like if you can. Because I, I, I remember when I went to school that, like, you had to present records that you were immunized in order to even be admitted into the school. Yep. And if you didn't have that... Right, you had to go get that. No no play. Right. But now, I, I know New York signed into law a couple of years ago that, like, for religious reasons or... Yeah. Yeah. We finished that thought because... For religious reasons, there, there, there are people that are excused from being able Ugh. to get the immunizations for religious reasons. But that's wow. thank, thank you. you so much. That's that's scary. Salud. Salud. All right. But let's get into Yeah, let's talk about our topic. Please. So the future. Oh, that's good. Or or more specifically, futurism. Futurism. So what is futurism, Nick? So futurism is uh, it's less of a science and more of a philosophy. But it's a philosophy that goes across different disciplines within science. Science and the political or, sciences and psychology and psychology also specifically um, uh, manufacturing and my favorite my favorite is architecture. Ooh, okay, right. So really, it doesn't matter. It's a it's a philosophy. That's that's the key thing that you need to understand. It's futurism is looking at the world, right, and de- determining what the next step is towards our future state. It's not. It's not looking at um, aliens where we're out and we have shipping cargo containers that are flying, you know, gajillions of miles. That's an official... Gajillions, yes. Yeah. And parsecs, whatever. Parsecs. I was just going to say that. <laughs> so it, it, it's not super way out future. It's what's the next step? What's the next logical step, right? And then the the way that it works is you go what is the next logical step and then what is the next logical step and what is the next logical step so it's extrapolating out from where we are now to determine what the next steps are mm-hmm. and if there's a correction there's a little bit of social engineering that goes into this philosophy okay because like if if you were a futurist right mm-hmm. and you sat down and said well right now our cars and our a lot of our homes and uh, most of our manufacturing comes from petrol, right? 
and we're going to go ahead and extrapolate out what the next step is. Well, the next step probably is as more innovation comes out and as our current political climate is out there as trying to support these fossil fuel type economies, right? More of it's going to happen. Well, at that point, the philosophy allows for uh, coming up with alternatives because as you go next step, next step, next step, especially with fossil fuels, you start to get to a dystopian, you know, Mad Max type uh, outcome. What is it? The, uh, the best estimates say we have maybe 20 or 30 years left? No, I don't think it's 20 to 30. What, what the, es- the estimates are rough, but the debate right now in terms of our, our fossil fuel consumption is that we have used roughly half or a little over half of what we have available. Right? So how long have we been using fossil fuels versus Uh, consumption rate per year, which continues to go up? They can kind of do math where we may be be at half of our supply right now in terms of we used it up. And it is a finite resource, by the way. Only X amount of dinosaurs died. Um, it's it's insane to me that it's 2019 and and we're know, using like, dinosaur what, juice. What, one one of the things that you see every year when when the when the the year rolls over mm-hmm. is you see people is like all right I'm still waiting for the flying cars I'm still waiting for the the flying car exists yeah but it's amazing to me that it's 2019 and we're still having a conversation about whether or not electric cars you know. Whether or not um, we should continue to use oil, whether or not, well, or we're always going to have those debates. Um, why until, is it still? My, my I, th- I guess my bigger question is why is it still a debate? Okay, uh, let me ask it this way: to to clarify to your debate, and I'm asking seriously. This isn't a bit. Uh, you find yourself out in the woods. Yeah, and I get you're not in the woods right now, but for the sake of this thought experiment, argument, go ahead. You find yourself out in the woods, right? Sun is going to set in a few hours. What's your priority? Fire, so, uh, starting a fire to keep warm, right? Yeah, and or shelter, which involves cutting down limbs, Trees, right? Or whatever, right? Anyway, this my point is: the second that you realize that there's a need, you start taking from the environment. Okay. Right? And what you take from the environment is what's readily available. Right? Fallen limbs, the first to go. Right? But as you cope with your new reality and you start to uh, kind of extrapolate out, I'm going to be here longer than I thought I need more. uh, I need better shelter. Mm -hmm. This isn't a temporary thing. And I'm going to need to stockpile a supply of fuel to make myself able to continue to subsist. What you start doing is going back to the same well you were in. Okay. I, I, mean, I, get, I get your point. Right? This worked. I just need to do it better or more. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing what I'm doing. What it is, it, when you're trying to survive, you are not thinking of innovation. The, the problem is that by the time you get to the point where you're comfortable enough to innovate – you still have some tradition now in how things were done, right? 
Mm. And when you extrapolate out to not the individual, but the society and why uh, Trump specifically is able to uh, play to a base that's uh, coal and current energy standard sufficient Mm. at the rebuke of the new stuff is because that's how we do things. We find a way that works and we do it. And the second you challenge it, there's some there's some money interests, but there's not necessarily uh, a, uh, a cultural thing that's going to allow you to change. Right. You know what I mean? You have to kind of be radical. So when we say, well, you know, we can get power from wind or solar or geothermic, right? And it has a much smaller impact on the environment than what we've been doing. The counter argument is in theory, but this works. Right. I just think it's it's a little ridiculous that we we know that we're running out. We we can kind of see the damage mm-hmm. that it's doing and we're still I mean I don't. I don't want. It's flawed logic, but it's logic. I don't want energy to like become the main. No, no, no. But it is a huge part of what uh, of what we're talking about. I mean, the future of energy, and especially the future of uh, emissions from the generation of that energy, has an impact on the future. It absolutely does. Um, Island nations right now are are uniting. In a way to uh, litigate their way to saving the planet, yeah, because they are in harm's way, and what and the practices of countries that are using these fuels that contribute to greenhouse gases are directly, not indirectly, directly impacting their survival. Right, so they're able to litigate. So power and energy is absolutely a part of the conversation. It shouldn't be the only part. It absolutely shouldn't be the only part. Okay, but it is a, a huge part. But in terms of your original question, what futurism is is it's determining the steps that we're moving in, and then determining steps along the way that we could maybe update or change direction on entirely. Mm. That will uh, that will help mold our society moving forward, and it's across the board, regardless of your discipline. Hopefully, hopefully that future includes more electric, solar, geothermal. You know, and 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 I think we we talked about this on a previous show where we we talked about different uh, forms of renewable energy that we could look at and, yep. and what ultimately oh, we have. we've talked about little parts of this yeah. uh, in many episodes, right. but we never kind of encompassed it. Right. And I think one of the things that we, we determined was that each region would kind of have to decide what was the best for them because there's specific regions that are more suited to wind energy. Um, sure. There well, are, there are a- a- avenues or alleyways, I guess you could call it. Yeah. That that are definitely windier than others. Sure. Yeah. There there is more. There are areas that would be more better suited to like uh, solar. There are areas that are better suited to geothermal. There. You know. So it, it it's about. Yep. It's about each specific region deciding, okay, this is what is most viable for us. Gotcha. It's not it's not a a one all one all one cure for everyone, you know. Right. 
unfortunately. Well, and, and, and one, one of the things I've, I've kind of pushed um, is why we don't explore nuclear more. It, I'm, I'm not for that. Mm-hmm. And there's only really one reason I'm not for that. Why is that? We don't need it. No, I'm, but nuclear could definitely be a stopgap. Because even if we... Do, okay, so even if every region decided, hey, this is the form of energy that we're going to use, let's say that, you know, the Delaware Valley decides to go with uh, solar and right. whatever, it's still going to take time to... Implement. Implement, right. And we're not talking about, you know, a couple of months here. We're talking about 10, 20 years right. to, to be able to put this into place. So nuclear could be the stopgap I especially I, especially with the, the research has been done into thorium reactors which is a lot safer and, and uses 300% less nu- it produces 300% less nuclear waste and, and I without seeing numbers uh-huh. um, you know I, I hear what you're saying I and maybe I'm being a, mil- a little militant with this thought but I would almost be better with everyone saying, okay, guys, here's how you build a wood stove. This is what you're going to have to do as a stopgap until we get this done. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, trees are renewable. They're going to grow back, right? And the carbon footprint from everybody burning trees, and I don't have any numbers, but I feel like the the carbon imprint from burning trees as opposed to setting up additional nuclear power plants to what's already there. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's uh, going to be better off as a stopgap. I mean, what's a stopgap? 20 it's years? 20 years, yeah. You want to throw 20 years on it? I think... I 20, think 30 years, let's say. 20, 30? All right, well, there. then I start having issues. But I don't believe new construction of nuclear, even if the technology is updated... I don't believe that's the way to go. Okay. Be only because even if it's 20, 30 t- uh, percent of what it was, that's still well, no. more than we want. You know what I mean? D- well, and that's why I kind of brought it up is because it's actually a lot less. Like I said, thorium using thorium as a fuel source instead of plutonium or uranium right. produces three, uh, and these are rough numbers, but like 300 yeah. percent less waste it takes a smaller amount of thorium to produce the same energy output that it does for plutonium uranium oh but- i get that, that i get that what you're bringing up is better than uh what we have now right because i get that what, what you have to realize is that the 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 current nuclear technology mm-hmm. is from the 60s and 70s oh yeah so it hasn't been updated <laughs> right well, and that's because of cost. Also, and, and here's an interesting thing in ter- while we're talking about energy, right? So one of the things that comes up with the energy is that we have an infrastructure that delivers energy from a single source to multiple users, right? So in terms of futurism, right, and what the next logical step is, I actually kind of want to get away from the centralized thing. Right. This has been a kind of a talking point and a focus since 9-11 when they said, what if they had run those planes instead of into financial buildings? What if they had run them into nuclear facilities? Mm-hmm. Right? 
worst case, you have like some kind of Hiroshima or well, Fukushima, or, uh, Fukushima, or um, what's the other one? Uh, Chernobyl. Or Three type, Mile Island. Right, or, yeah. type meltdown, right? Or, at worst, it knocks power offline for months for X amount of people, right? So what they're saying is, you know, if we decentralize that, it's actually better for national security. It's better for um, just in general. It makes more sense because if you fly a plane into a building and the building is powering itself, then you lose power to the building that is now rubble anyway, right? So when I look at things like wind for very small communities, right, Mm -hmm. or solar for individual buildings, which as that technology continues to get better, you might actually be able to sustain a single building off of pure electrical energy. And if we switched over, right, from AC to DC... We would be able to power through direct current from the sun converted directly into power for all of our stuff, batteries or, or uh, just direct using the, the energy. And then your own building is responsible for its own power. Do you know what a, a Dyson sphere is? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, if you want to talk future of energy, I well, think... Well, that's... That's super futurism. I, I'm. <laughs> that's like way out futurism. And yes, I. Or, I or mean, better yet, a Dyson swarm, uh, which, which is, is probably more feasible. Which well, is more feasible. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't know, a Dyson sphere is the idea that the sun puts out a certain amount of energy, and if you could capture like one percent of the sun's energy output in a minute, you would literally have enough power to power the United States for the next 300 years or something like that. Right, it's, and it's, it's a ridiculous number. Yeah, I mean, even with current solar technology, if you harness the sun's power, and I think it's like, uh, don't quote me, but like, there's an area that encompasses like New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, like this oval in the middle of like desert, right? Right. We might have to lose Vegas, which would be a bummer, but... Uh, I'm okay with it. Uh, I kind of want to go back. We can move Vegas. I, uh, we could relocate Vegas. <laughs> if we humanely relocated Vegas, um, we could cover that entire area with solar panels and power the U.S. Like, right. And, it, and it's, it's not even, like, a question. That's just what we would need to do. And it, we could do that now. We don't even need a Dyson Sphere. You know what I mean? Like, we don't need to go to the point where we're encompassing the entire scope of the sun. Right. Well, the idea with the Dyson Sphere is that you would build a structure around the sun that would collect this energy and bring it back to Earth, basically. And then, also, to extrapolate on that, we would live on the sphere and be able to branch out that way, and then we're not a one-planet society. So it was a kind of a catch-all for what we needed and how we needed to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it also allowed for... Uh, many 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 more times uh how many people lived on that sphere so and it had its own gravity so we weren't living in zero g it's a, it was a it was an interesting theory in terms of a fix-all but that's way more futuristic than i yeah because i mean that's get. probably i'm just kind of looking to you know yeah. a couple thousand years oh at least yeah oh at least i because, mean i mean the building materials alone oh we do have to figure out a way to get that and right. and we're nowhere near that right now uh, even if we cannibalize the entire belt, 
you know, asteroid belt, we would not probably have the material for that. I would just assume. Um, rough, rough theory off the top of my head. Rough estimate, you sure? Rough estimate. I haven't measured We're crunching the, the numbers, belt. folks. Yeah, hold on one second. <laughs> um, so... But in terms of where we're moving in the future, right? Mm -hmm. How we're powering our buildings is a big thing. But the buildings themselves are actually very interesting in terms of how we're moving forward, right? Like, uh, what's the most futuristic building you've ever seen? Uh, There was a building in Chicago. That that you went to. Oh, that I went to. Uh, That you yourself have seen. Oh, none then, because... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I haven't had the... I've never traveled specifically anywhere to just see a building. Ever been in anything that would be considered new construction built within the last, like, five years? Okay. Uh, Have you? uh, I've been in buildings, yeah, that are... That are, like, less than five years old? Yeah. Um, so, right now, because, uh, the economy the way it is, we're, we're building things... They would call it economically. I'll call it cheaply, mm-hmm. right? With the most inexpensive materials available, they're so energy inefficient, right? That it it, it continues to be non-cost effective to keep it up. The upfront cost of the building is less, but the the cost of ownership is way higher. And a lot of that is because we're consuming extra energy. We're consuming. We're replacing items on the structures themselves, right? Uh, More often. Maintenance, yeah. Yeah, windows, doors, things like that. We're replacing these things way more often. So what winds up happening is actually, and it's it's a positive, or it's seen as a positive by econo- economic people because it's continuing to pump money into the environment or into the, uh, wow, the economy. Mm-hmm. So... It's seen as positive for that, and it continues to drive the economy forward. But quite frankly, if we if we just manufactured things smarter, right? Right. To be, one, built correctly, and two, efficient, that would actually help in terms of, uh, in terms of overall, uh, I can't cost. think of the word. Uh, yeah, but like environmental cost. And in terms of societal cost, because if you think about it, if you had more money, right? Right. Realistically, like the average American, right? And we're just looking at America right now. I'm not speaking for any other countries, but the average American would go, okay, I have $50 more a month now because of all these changes than Mm -hmm. like my parents had, let's say. Right. Right. Uh, It's a silly low number, but we'll go with it. You're going to spend that. In the economy, it'll just be different than what it is now. So I don't see that as having a negative uh, economic effect. Mm-hmm. But what it allows, you know, because of all the benefits, I I personally feel that it should, like building codes and things like that, should be updated to include for efficiency, energy efficiency. It'll cause adaptation. It'll cause uh, uh, innovation. And it'll also uh, pump money into other areas of the economy. Right. It'll take it away. It will take it away from manufacturing in terms of profits because the 
upfront cost of doing all of that is more than maybe what's going on now. But even that's assumption. Yeah. And and most of that assumption is coming out of the industry that doesn't want to change. But let's talk about that. What do you think a super energy efficient building looks like? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I would think that you would take in a consideration like the positioning of the sun and yes. um, you want which many of the great ancient cities did. Uh, you would want to take in. Uh, you probably want to have um, like a rooftop garden because that. Okay, food distribution. Food distribution. Uh, big what, energy, you know big energy uh, uh, consumer. Yes. What, what's amazing to me is that we we plant these trees in like our cities and whatnot, right? Yes. But we we get them because they're pretty yes. or they're nice to look at. We never plant things that are like, oh, this could also provide us with food. Yep. And I think I mentioned that. You did a couple of times, and and it made me think about uh, uh, dogs. Right? Dogs used to be like wolves. And now they're domesticated little tiny dogs, and they are not tasty at all. I'm sure somewhere, somewhere, yeah, <laughs> somewhere, someone is arguing with that. That's why I said. It. But go ahead. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I would tend to think that you would uh, look at like how water is filtrated into the building, because I know that like wow. water filtration um, can help with like heating and cooling costs. Also, uh, just rainwater collection as right. opposed to a reservoir system. I mean, just the health benefits alone. You talk about vaccinating your kids, right? Like, you're not sharing water with everybody? And quite frankly, at this point, we're actually looking at uh, gray water uh, recycling solutions. Mm. I mean, just because of the drought situations that are happening in a lot of, a lot of the parts of the country now and will continue to grow and reach new areas as it goes you know you, you collect the rainwater filter it there that's huge but right now it's expensive because it's not widespread right now what about because um you said something earlier that kind of got me thinking too okay like, um i wanted to talk about money okay so, so money yeah before we get into money mm. i just wanted to finish up my thought on the oh, uh, buildings no that's fine um, so, uh, the last point on buildings is if we're looking at efficiency, uh, moving forward, how do you feel about living in a dome structure, individual home dome structure, not like a massive, like, no, not like a massive dome. Yeah. Not just, like, uh, uh, the city of Chicago. I don't, I don't, aesthetically. Pers- like, like I don't have a, uh, uh, vested interest in like oh no it's got to be a two-story like right okay because that's the most energy efficient uh structure that we can build right now in terms of heating and cooling which is largely especially with our technology now we can regulate the temperature in there without like an hvac system right Mm. so you don't have to worry about air conditioning and and uh heating except in extreme environments Right, so it, it very efficient, um, but it would require people to kind of make a leap to transition that into your money question. The conversation we were having earlier was, right. "My God, why do we 
Because we're almost at the point where yeah. there's no need for you to walk around with money in your pockets. No, I, I, it, it, I've told you my theory on cash, right? No, go. The only reason that it's still around is for tax evasion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, seriously. Yeah. Anything you can think of, right? You go to a farmer's market or a uh, flea market and you buy something, right? They're not reporting that as taxable income. There's no way, right? You uh, go to a uh, 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 re- uh, like a takeout place that only takes cash. They don't take credit. And the explanation that they give you as the consumer is, I don't want to pay for credit card fees, right? Which makes sense. Except there's no way they're reporting all that income. Right. I there's no way. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I, I just... It, it, and, and right now the economy is built on, and there's a certain acceptance of tax evasion. But... If you take all of that away, right, the amount of money we spend to make and manufacture money. Yeah. Right? Because I think, it, what is it, like, it's 32 cents to make a penny or something? No, like no, it's not that crazy. It's 2.8 cents. Oh, it's 2.8 cents to make, to make one, one penny. penny. So you're already almost three times at a loss, right? Right. Or, or two-thirds of a loss on your investment immediately out the gate just to make a penny, Right. But it goes beyond that to all cash. There's a cost to making cash. What I'm saying is the biggest uh, uh, deterrent to going to a cashless system has always been that retailers and other, uh, uh, other people that take cash transactions will take on incurred costs of not only the credit card fees or the, the payment fees, if there are some, for like debit – which I don't believe there are right now, but there probably will be if we move to a cashless system. It's the cost of putting in the equipment to take nothing but cars. Yeah, except that except that I've been to too many cons now where you have people who are selling mm-hmm. art or whatever. And oh, they it's, have that little swipe system that's... Yep. I mean... It's becoming a moot point. Absolutely. Exactly. So it's it, becoming they, a moot point, but the other part is that for anybody that can still make the argument, this would be a substantial cost to my business that would, that would detriment my business to the point where I might have to close down. Here's, here's my proposal. The money we take that we save from printing money could absolutely be used as an amnesty for getting that equipment for businesses that meet a certain financial threshold. Because I'm going to more and more places now where yeah. they, they have the, an iPad set up as their way of collecting money. And then, yep. they, you know, you swipe your card, you sign. Any new business you, invests in You that. put the tip in it, uh, you know, like, and I appreciate that, you know. Like, don't get me wrong, cash is, I always carry some cash on me for emergencies, but that's happening less and less now you know i i don't yep the only problem i really really have where i need cash is when people go for lunch at work right and and they go they go i'm ordering it's like 10 bucks for the meal you want just give me ten dollars but quite frankly what was your thing cash app yeah i yeah that's that's, venmo venmo cash app paypal yeah we can transfer money wirelessly i don't even need to carry cash by the way you're you're getting a cash app before you leave today (laughs) i keep trying it i have a problem with the login i'll set you up uh anyway but yeah it's just too convenient now um Mm -hmm. to have and the free market did that by the way yeah yeah um 
you have all these other systems. I, I just don't see that you brought up the point of like international like exchange. Oh, that's the other thing is a, a world economy is definitely coming, and and I mean you look at like the EU and Brexit, where where you have somebody leaving as a trade partner, right? But that also means that Britain won't be using the euro anymore. But if a British citizen goes over to France for the weekend, as they do, Mm -hmm. right, they go to their bank, right, or they charge something on a card, it gets charged at the euro rate, even if they're going back and And they're on on the pound. They do all the math for you. We're already a world economy. That's how we are. Yeah, because I, I can't. I, like sometimes when I'm doing like cosplay stuff, I'll order stuff from like England or India or something, and it, it already has the you know like it has the price in American yeah. dollars. It has the price in. They already know what the exchange rate is. That's right. not even a question. The only reason that we have a, a monetary system per country is literally for international corporations to be able to charge for things. Pharmaceuticals is the one that comes to mind most prevalently. And it's if uh, they'll tell you that I have to charge, I'll, I'll use round numbers, $100 in the United States. And the specific reason I'm doing that is not a profit margin or a cost of doing business in the United States. It's because I also need to offer this worldwide and in... I'll say Africa, right? I can only charge $10 because that's what the economy there will be able to support. That's what the people will spend there. So I need to make up the difference on the money I'm losing there in wealthier countries. But if you just move to a world economy, right, you don't, you, you don't run into that same issue. Right. Especially so if eventually you... Eventually, we mm-hmm. see a unified... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Especially if you... Especially... If you look at it as a world economy versus a, an individual country economy. Right. And but, that, but that's your new world order stuff that people rail against. But We're it, heading in that direction anyway. We're, it, we're, already, we're already there. Yeah. We're already there. It, what we're doing right now is saying, I need to be more prosperous than my neighbors over in another continent. That's all it is. That's all it is. And as soon as we get over that... We can move to a world economy and nobody will blanch at it at all because it's a natural progression. You know, if everything is the same and costs the same, right, including labor, right? Why do we get all our textiles from, like, Taiwan? Because it's cheaper. It's cheaper. Why is it cheaper? Because they're paying their people less. Material costs what material costs, right? Like if I buy it in the states, or if I buy it in a, a, a different country, I'm I'm paying whatever the exchange rate is for the goods, right? And then right. tariffs and stuff. We're in a trade war right now with China, although that's apparently on a ceasefire. But we pay what it costs, right? If things cost the same everywhere, right? Yeah. And if, if, if labor was paid the same everywhere and we had a one-world economy, all of that goes away. And then that's, of course, a step towards we don't need money at all, but that would be a, a very future step. Because right now, the biggest hang-up, what do you think the biggest hang-up is for somebody saying somebody in another country can make exactly the same amount as I am? I can. I don't know. What is it? 
cost of living, which I've eradicated by this plan. But also, what if what if they aren't working as hard as I am? Oh. Right? I'm not being fairly compensated if they're getting paid the same amount for less work. And that's correct. Unless you unify everything and everyone's on the same playing field. Right. So okay. That's part of futurism is also a one world economy and a one world mindset in terms of things like PTO, you know, personal time off or, or sick days or uh, health care. All of these social concepts have to be kind of quantified. And quite frankly, yeah, the first generation that has to deal with it is going to be bullshit because nobody's going to be happy. It's going to be a compromise. Right. But then after that, no one's going to care because it's the same everywhere. Right, right. Well, since you mentioned medicine. Yes. You know, like, uh, uh, what, what do you think is the future of medicine? Because um, I have my own ideas, but. In terms of a healthcare system or medicine, medicine? Medicine, medicine. <clears throat> well, I have purported. Because we're, we're still living in the dark ages where it's yeah. fucking possible for us to come up with a <laughs> universal. Right. Uh, uh, um, medical for everybody in the states like I, we have obamacare and it's great but uh is it it hasn't become trump care yet if he had his way yeah but uh repeal and replace we're trump gonna care. repeal it and we're just gonna change it to trump care because i it needs to be named after me right but anyway so uh, no so, i'm talking like actual care of individuals not so I, I i i've talked to you for a long time and i'll say it here um, I think, especially with Obamacare, one of the highlights was uh, preventative medicine being the best medicine. Right. Right. In terms of not only common sense, but in terms of cost. If you make an illness or a condition less likely to occur, that means the cost of treating that condition over a population is less. You know what amazes me is that we never look at, like, um, dietary we never look at dietary we never look at exercise like whenever you go to the doctors and doctors like oh my god this is is okay yeah the first you've been sitting on the couch for 30 years and eating mcdonald's and your fucking knees hurt when you stand up i'm i'm shocked and amazed yeah (laughs) no you're you're right and that's exactly my point so what i've said for a long time is i believe that part of a core curriculum in educating children should be nutrition right Right, what that should be the first thing that doctors are looking at is like, hey, let's look at your, you know, like because I know. Well, and we don't in this country, and that's a big. That's probably another topic for another day. But we do not in this country, and we do, and and others do in other countries where where nutrition. I mean, if you go to China, right, and you have vitamin C regiments, vitamin C regiments to the point where it's intravenous. Mexico, same thing. They will they will pump you full of vitamin C. In this country, that's illegal. Right. It's illegal because uh, apparently three people died uh, over the course of the last hundred years of recorded medicine from a, uh, having an overdose of a, uh, a, a vitamin, whatever the vitamin is. Right? And even those cases aren't verifiable and could be propaganda, but still it's like a ridiculously low number versus the population. And what we're the benefits are that if you give people the proper nutrition, the body can heal itself. It's been doing it for hundreds of years. Right. 
Now there is, I'm not going to discount modern medicine a hundred percent. That's not my point because we're living way longer today than we ever did. But remember, that's not all modern medicine. Some of that is modern convenience as well. Well, modern. Well, um, it, it's interesting to me when whenever people talk about like, well, what's the future of like modern medicine? Well, like or. or like uh, the whole topic of futurism, when you talk to like you, yeah. you talk to someone like Ray Kurzweil, yeah. he's always talking about like, oh, I want to extend human life. We've been extending human life since uh, you know yep. ten thousand years ago when we just decided to change the way that we live and we change our eating habits. What well, water you know, purification? Water purification. Uh, the, the flora in the water, uh, as controversial as that is, yeah, extended our lives because our teeth are healthier, right? And 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 did you know that there's a there's a lot of studies now that point to like t- uh, your teeth health having effects on your heart and and whatnot and brain and brain, right? That's the other thing. That, is, that's another uh, uh, thing that's interesting to me is like the gut biome. Like yeah. we're starting to realize all these things that are happening with our gut flora because most of our immune systems in our gut, right? Right. So. Yeah, I, I I see. If if I have to talk about a future of medicine, I see like like more you said, holistic. More, more, right? Well, not just holistic, because I think when you say holistic, it gives it that whole woo woo effect. Like, oh my god, we're gonna start waving crystals, like and like uh, drum circles, burning incense, and we're gonna like. No, I'm not. I don't. I would stay away with a, from a word like holistic. Well, just, you'd need to rebrand it, but you're talking about modern medicine that is able to be blended with an understanding of our diet right an uh, understanding of a diet understanding of uh, uh, general you know fitness you know like, like we live more stationary lives did I tell you did I tell you my idea uh, for uh, nutrient supplement no so when you eat something right? And your body breaks it down and it becomes uh, food that you can then transfer to your bloodstream, right? There's a percentage of it that is lost in that process, right, from breaking it down. So my whole idea was we have to figure out a way to get the nutrients that are needed for our individual bodies – to our bodies in an efficient way, which would be entering into the bloodstream. And the thought process I had brought me to a backpack, right? That has X amount of elements that we require, right? Whatever, iron, fucking whatever, right? Whatever we need. And it's constantly testing our blood levels, and saying, okay, you require X amount of this and X amount of this to balance you, and then delivers that intravenously. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. It, I think, quite frankly, I think the military applications are probably more than like day to day because if everyone was wearing this backpack, we wouldn't eat anymore, and culturally we would be devastated because so much of our cultural identity is through our food. Right. Um, but. But there's there's other things there too. There's um, mm-hmm. the idea of wearable technology that's yes. able to monitor. Like I mean, like you yeah. walk around now and you see everybody has some type of fitness watch on oh that's monitoring God. their heart rate, that's monitoring their sleeping habits, that's monitoring, you know, blood. Pre- you know, they they have watches now that are coming out with like uh, blood pressure monitors in them. So uh, so the future of dietary, uh, the diet industry. Are you saying? Are you suggesting? 
this wild idea I just had in my own brain. That you look at your watch and it says, well, given your current blood levels of whatever you know elements that are needed for human life, uh, we recommend the following meals. You know? Yeah, I, I, completely. Yeah, and it, and it and it gives you a meal plan based on what your body's requiring. Right. Well, second. not just that. I mean, I, there was a show that I saw. I should patent that. It was like 2050. It was a. It was on the, the Science Channel back when the Science Channel was actually about science. <laughs> um, you know, before it became the shitty Jobs Channel. Oh, um, wait. Oh, that's the History Channel. <laughs> I was gonna say pawnbrokers and uh, Iceman and that's Discovery. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, back when it was a show, you know, a, 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 a about science, um, I remember watching this show that was like thinking about 2050. And one of the things that they talked about when they were talking about medicine was like wearable, you know, having shirts that are monitoring your sweat, your everything that's going on in your body, that your clothing became an extension of yeah. your healthcare. But no, F that. We're going to go for robots. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I think is interesting is um, when, when you take that idea of like wearables, you know, there um, there's a company in Japan that's working on a, a pill that you can... I mean, it, it already exists. There's a pill that's a camera and that you swallow and it, 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 go, it works its it tells, way through your... It tells the entire plan. story. Right. And they can use that... To figure out, you know, what's going on with your digestion. But so, so, so take that idea and just futrify it a little bit. If you, I'm making up words. Are you going nature uh, nanites? Yeah, like imagine, you know, being able to take a pill that sends all these nanites around your body to monitor everything that's going on, so that you can get a more comprehensive idea. Because one of the things with, um, okay, so if you want to talk about like medicine in terms of of a holistic approach is that what that what, shall be rebranded later. Yeah, we have to rebrand that because it's too woo woo for me. a a uh, uh, comprehensive. Just yeah, call it what, comprehensive, right? What works for you is not going to work for me. Right, it has to be individual. It has to be individualized, and um, your nutritional needs, your exercise needs, are not going to be the same yep. uh, across the board. And I you, think that's one of the problems that we have with modern modern medicine is that we try to. Uh, take this okay and we're going to okay so this works for like 75 percent of the population let's push it out there let's do it yeah but do you you think that uh um in since it is individual right and part of uh, part of the diagnostic process that we have at least today is asking how do you feel right right so your ability to communicate how you feel should also be taken into account Right. And I believe that within certain parameters, right, like your nanites or your backpack or however you tackle the issue should be able to you should be able to tweak it and play and say, I, I want to do I, I feel like I want to do a little more of this. And then see how that feels. And if that doesn't work, I want to tweak it the other way. Yeah, I mean, my, listen, dude, when I'm exercising, my smartwatch will sit there and tell me, like, okay, um, you know, you have to run X amount uh, to get your heart rate up to this. And so it's already, and that's today. It, but it's making suggestions. It's making suggestions. And you can go, no, I'm in the zone and rip your watch off and keep going if you wanted. If you wanted to, right. But what right. I'm 
So, yeah, I see a future where the, the medicine is more comprehensive. Uh, we, we didn't even talk about, like, 3D printing technology where we're going to be at the point where... Oh, manufacturing will become much easier and much, again, but like organ, more centralized. Things like organ replacements and, yeah. and things of that nature. Oh, where, thank God I need a liver. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to need a new liver. Um, yeah, but, but, but ideas like that. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I think in terms of medical technology... Uh, interbreeding with manufacturing, I think that's a logical step. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a guy in Switzerland I was reading about uh, a couple weeks back. Um, so I had laser eye surgery done about three or four years ago to be you know be able to see twenty twenty. Best thing I ever did. I wish I had done it sooner. Okay. Um, but this guy in Switzerland's already saying that he um, like if you get his procedure done. He can guarantee you three times better than 2020. So he's uh, augmenting the lens. He's, he's augmenting like the. Uh, How's your brain process that? I, I don't know. I don't know. But that, that's a fascinating. Eventually, I would think your brain would go. No, I'm good. I have all. <laughs> I have all the information I need. Thank yeah, you very much. Yeah, but I can't see an infrared. I want to be able to see an infrared. <laughs> and UV and think about all the other spectrums that we're not able to see in <laughs> all right so wait <laughs> i could see in UV oh god it burns <laughs> dude dude do you know how many bacteria are crawling around you right now uh, uh, no and thankfully i right. don't um okay so other things with the future um so uh, we uh, CES this year the big the big draw was robots. CES is the Consumer Electronics Show. Yes, which we we covered that before, and quite frankly, there wasn't a lot of meat on that bone this year, so we didn't do a CES show. Yeah, um, but the big draw was robots, and right. the, that's been the case for a few years. And now. artificial intelligence, uh, yes, and artificial assistance, yes. And uh, so my question is obviously like. One of the storylines that leads to our ultimate demise is robots, right? Robot assistance that then becomes and takes over. But, you know, the idea of robot assistance. It's not that alien. It's not. Well, no, obviously with like advents of like Alexa and other. Right, uh, because we we were at a mutual friend's house this weekend. And And their children. Yeah, the kids were like, Alexa, do this. Alexa, do that. Alexa, turn on the lights. To the point where they had to turn off Alexa because the kids got obsessed. Exactly. And and, and at that moment, I turned to our friend and I was like, God, we're raising a generation of kids that aren't going to know what it is to touch something. Yeah. No, it's all going to be voice. And then it's all going to be thought. Oh. And it's just going to be a whole bunch of telekinetic brats. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, my point is assistance, whether it's robot AI or what have you, assistance is the way that we're looking to do it. All things going full circle in our society, right? The next generation, yes, you're right. They won't touch anything. They won't do anything, right? But then their kids look at them and say, I'm going to do it different because that's how we do things. We innovate. Right, so at what point, at how many generations 
does the technology start to catch up with our 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 need and ability to do things ourselves because we are inquisitive and we want to trial and error things ourselves, right? So if we play out the AI scenario where we're using that as an assistant and it doesn't progress to the Terminator series or whatever, right? Right. Um, we we start integrating these things into ourselves. So, like I said, you can, cyborgs. Yeah, you can start thinking about things, well, and making it, them happen, at, and at affecting point, our environment by thought, and then going a step further to say, no, this needs to assist us doing the things. There's a great sci-fi movie that um, I saw a preview for that I wanted to watch, and it was this guy who gets. Um, it's a future where everybody's using, like, they're augmenting themselves and they're, they're you know, like, replacing limbs and things like that. Yeah. And the guy is, like, a staunch, like, he's staunchly against it. He doesn't want to do it. There's always going to be that faction. Right. Which is interesting. And, and... I'll take one. Yeah. Yeah. And he ends up getting, um, becoming a quadriplegic or something along those lines. And they retrofit, this guy comes up to, you know, the scientist comes up to him and he's like, hey, I have a a new, you know, a way to fix you and he implants this artificial intelligence system throughout his body and yeah, it it was a great trailer and everybody that I talked to that saw the movie said it was a great movie because at that point, you know, the artificial intelligence is like he's getting uh, um, jumped or he's being uh, mugged and and the AI is like, I can help you but I need your assistance, Uh, uh, I need your permission he's like, permission granted and then he proceeds to like and then he kung fu uh, hustles all of them yeah, exactly but I I do see a future where eventually I mean, we're already at the point where and I don't care how much you say that we're not we are because we're already integrated with that we're already integrated with our technology it's just just uh, rudimentary at this point right, because and if you don't if you don't think that we're integrated with our technology, leave your house without your cell phone. No. No, I'll do one better. We're coming to you right now into your brain without being in your presence. How about that? Yeah, you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> we're, we're remotely sending signals into your brain that you're interpreting as... Thank you. Thanks so much. That you're interpreting right now as language. Isn't that insane? Yeah. You should... word the Cybermen. Yeah, but I mean, like, how many times have you walked out the house without your cell phone where you're like, oh my god! Like, yeah. I-, I told you, I was almost all the way to work, and I was like, well, and, fuck yeah, it. And you I'm were like, late. work late, and no one's gonna know it, because I can't call them because I forgot my phone. Because you couldn't listen to the Joe Rogan show. <laughs> <laughs> for, for five hours. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... So yeah. integration with technology, that's definitely... We're, we're, we're predisposed to it. I mean, that's, I think, and this is theoretical, but I think that's why we came up with it. Yeah. You know, we're, we're looking for ways to do things that are beyond our means, which is why we started using tools. And now we're using this as a t- new tool. Yeah. That's all it is. So let me ask you this. Robotics are still kind of hokey right now uh, in terms of the grand scheme of things. Um but an AI is the intelligence that allows us to do things, but doesn't have a body, right? So if you look at it that way, do you think we're quicker to adapting more of an exoskeleton type design 
Like if you've seen the things that assist one people that can't walk, or two, the the military application is soldiers. Let me finish this. Good. The 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 soldier applications. Have you seen those? Where basically it's a bit of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's an exoskeleton that allows. Like imagine if you're dropped behind enemy lines, you got to travel 100 kilometers before you uh, uh, meet your destination. That was the only place they could drop you. Well, you could do it in like a day with assistance that allows you to move at a more efficient pace where you're not burning as many calories or using as much muscle because you have an exoskeleton that moves with you based on your motion. And I, I think and carry supplies at the same time. I and I think that's how it becomes more mainstream, more you, acceptable, you, more acceptable. Because you're going to see people who have genuine need for that type of technology. Yeah. And I think in the private sector, you get out of the military, you go to warehouse jobs. Like right now, to get a warehouse job, you have to be able to pick up 45 pounds. Well, you know, what if you didn't? What if you could do that job? And pick up 200 pounds and not have a strain on your body because you're just manipulating an exoskeleton. This is the beginning of one of my favorite cartoons of all time, Exosquad. Which, by the way... Phenomenal. You know it's on Hulu, right? Uh, Don't tell me things like that. (laughs) Yeah, folks, if you've never checked out Exosquad... It's Sunday. I have to wait till next weekend. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's definitely a cartoon worth watching. Really ahead of its time, but anyway, I uh, yes, but all the giant Robo series yeah. that were in Japan that uh, came before that, I mean, and influenced it. That's more, yeah, like that's crazier, but not that crazy because yeah. imagine right now you put four guys in a tank, right, and you can roll through a desert and rain destruction. You put one guy in a tank that moves like a person. Yeah. You think about that. Yeah, and then you're... I, I, I kind of foresee a future where it's like, why would I want to have a regular arm when I can have this arm here where it's I don't like buy that. a flashlight? And No, you don't buy that at all? I don't buy it at all. No, okay. because uh, quite frankly, we look to technology to enhance what we have now. Right? Not replace it. Not detract from it. I've got a hand that does all kinds of stuff. But I can't feel what I'm doing. And yeah, you could make the argument that by the time they get that tech, they'll figure out how to mash it into our nervous system so it they it can simulate touch. I can't buy that that would be the same. Okay. You know what I mean? The same hands we use to do our jobs, right? To then have physical contact as a social creature with another person. You know, whether it's a hug or more X-rated, it can't. I don't know that we would be able to accept on a mass scale. You know, like ninety-five percent of the population. I don't think that they would recognize that as touch. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I. I. I that's where I draw the line on like full-on cyborgs or whatever, but. Assistance to do a job, to use a tool, I would absolutely believe we would embrace. So, like, 100%. You, could, you could picture something like maybe contact lenses that are able to do like facial recognition. Well, I've, I've told you before that's contact lenses, or even, and I'll go this far with sight, it's different because that's 
that's not connected. I'm not. We're not touching eyeballs right now. We're just looking at each other, right? So there's not a sensation of touch or physicality I mean, I, to it. I don't it. want to take touching eyeballs off the table. Well, you know, <laughs> it's a long podcast, so you know, we might get there. But um, they with I, I, I told you that uh, augmented reality. Yeah, that technology I think can only go to either a contact or a surgically implanted different lens that allows you to use tech to see your environment differently using that program. And that's I, yeah. I think I think that's absolutely on the table for and and quite frankly probably a really good idea because the transference of information through sight is one of the fastest ways that you can do it. Yeah. I can't explain to you right now an idea in less time that I could show it to you. You know what I mean? Like through a picture. Right. Right. What is it? A picture's worth a thousand words? There you go. Yeah. And that's not even going into things like um like I I, I see a future where we're completely I, I think books are done. <laughs> done for. I mean, well, I, I, you're uh, gonna have paper people... like dead trees binded together to uh, construct a story. Like, yeah, but like not like your um, a tablet uh, or uh, not audible. Uh, well, audible. Well, yeah. I mean, that you've seen that be more prevalent where yeah. you have audible books. Well, now you can and... listen versus read, but right. uh, but uh, digital reading material. I don't think that's going to go anywhere. I think we're going to have a digital archive of written. Well, I think the written we. Word. I think we. I think. In the next 10, 15 years, we completely go over to, like, there's no need. Like, I think about when I was a kid, and I used to walk around with, like, five or six books in my book bag. And then I had those three really heavy books that I had to take home to do my homework. I see, Which was all extra credit because you were a (laughs) suck-up. But I, I see a future where it's like you're walking around with a tablet that maybe has like a pen and you're... And it's all your books. It's and all your, your books are in there. And Absolutely. You your homework and you can email. and Oh, and, and the resources we could use instead of printing books? My God. Yeah. Ah, oh, even if it's recycled paper that you're using. We don't even need to recycle that paper at that point. You know what I mean? Like the, the energy conservation of using a digital form is amazing it does uh go into your theory about amnesia of a species and when a species gets to a certain point where it's digital uh, digitally uh dependent and then gets wiped off the faces of the earth or whatever planet they're on they uh then you lose it because there's nobody that can read those uh, right those right, memory right. chips anymore because by the time they get to that point they've either or both developed their own tech and also uh that all decayed because it was but so would have books right right and and i i don't know i i see where you okay so i'll give you an example i i um i'm a big comic book reader right yes and when i got my smartphone my, you know, one of my first one of the, one of the first things that I enjoyed doing was being able to download digital comics. Now, I remember our friend uh, gave you like, God, what? Nick, oh yeah, our, our friend. Yeah, he gave a, he gave me like twenty six gigs worth of comic books. Yeah, a- and I, I still haven't read all of them yet. Right, because it's an incomprehensible amount of data. Right, but 
just at, at, at first I was like, no, you know, like I'm an old school comic book reader and I like being able to turn the page and everything. But now, you know, just the convenience of having all of those books on me. I, I have over three or four hundred books on my phone right now. Right. That I can access and read whenever and, I want. And why on earth would you, other than nostalgia, right? Right. Take nostalgia out of it for a moment. No, and, and listen, there's something to be said about the tactile feeling of... There's nothing to be said about the tactile feeling of a pitch. Don't give me that <laughs> garbage. I ha- I can... Look, for for nostalgia's... This right here, that I'm, I'm holding up uh, the daily specials for the bar we're in right now, and there are words printed on it, and it is paper, and I feel it in my hand. And quite frankly, if I had an app for this bar... That showed me the daily specials. I would j- be just as involved because I'm hungry and thirsty. Okay. It has nothing to do with paper. Oh, my God. And then the thing that... And quite frankly, I've read Shakespeare online. Guess what? Same words as in books. <laughs> it's amazing. It's the same thing with comic books, yeah. yeah. And, like, yeah. I, I hate saying that because, like, I still enjoy going to... The comic book shop. And, and you know what? If I picked up a book that was like legit old and it was Shakespeare and it was and I had disposable income out the Waz and I had to have that in my collection. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I got excited. Oh, that's a collector's item at that point. But that's not a book to me. That's not how I get the information. No. I no. would display that and read it off of the uh, online. I, 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 So Friday, I came across a library that was giving away, like, books. They were just, like, giving them away. That's that's a little sad, but okay. Yeah. I, I actually, as somebody who's like, you can go ahead and digitize and then burn all the books or, or recycle them, I guess. Um, I, I still find it sad when libraries go out. Well, yeah, but... Or downsize but or whatever. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I have H.G. Wells' The Time Machine, which is one of my all-time favorites mm. on my phone. Yes. And I found a hard copy. Not a floppy book, but like an yeah. actual hard cover like, book one of H.G. Wells. One of those uh, things that are made out of dead trees and dead yes, animals. Yes, and, and I got like and genuinely glue. excited. I... You know what? And I was fighting with a friend, dude. Because- that's that's a collector's item. That is that speaks to uh, if you found. Okay, here I'll give you this example. I can right now download the Ten Commandments. Okay, but that why would you want to anyway? Go ahead. That would because I like to have boundaries. Um, that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't mean that finding stone tablets somewhere. In a desert, or on a mountain, or wherever. What if Moses came down the mountain with an iPad? <laughs> two of them, two iPads for effect. All right, uh, two foldable Samsung phones. Oh God, the fold. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, what I'm saying, I guess, in terms of literature and all that stuff, is. We have digital ways to do it now. They're more energy efficient. They're quicker. It gives everyone more access. It gives everyone a more playing uh, level playing field. Also, quite frankly, we could do our financing through the same device that gives us that information, right? And as we move forward, 
in our society, more and more and more features are going to be given to us. One first step will be in our phones or tablets. The second step will be some sort of wrist device because it's easy for us to see. Third iteration will be glasses or contacts or surgically implanted uh, contact lenses or surgically implanted lenses. You, you watch Dark Mirror, right? Uh, yes. I also saw the uh, the other one with um, – oh, I'm not going to remember his name right now. Um, also on Netflix where he was a cop. Um, Clive Owen. Clive Owen. Okay. Uh, Clive Owen was a cop and the whole society had um, – had the entire web at their disposable at their disposal at any time given their security clearance because of surgically implanted lenses that are given to you not quite at birth but very shortly after so you can access all uh, the information that you have access to and quite frankly that the way the smoothness of the society was excellent the problem with data compromises and piracy and hacking was highlighted. But at that point, by the time we get to that technology, I'm not worried about that. Quite frankly, it was just such a such a lighter, like, less cumbersome thing. I mean, there was a scene where he was walking down the street, right? He noticed the protagonist of the story only because he was just walking down the street. And being aware of his surroundings. Right? Right. It was a complete chance. What was the name of the movie? Ah, God, don't ask me. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put it in the comments. Right. But um, he was literally walking down the street to go get a cup of coffee. Right? And you know how, like, if you're driving, you've got signs on the highway, and you've got traffic lights and things like that and you're kind of aware of all of them and you kind of just absorb them passively right. because that's where they are so he's walking on the street and he's got information he is a, by the way a cop so he has information on people but it's just sort of floating over their head like they're uh, 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 sim right so it's so and so from such and such and X amount of age or whatever right a criminal record question mark right and because he's a cop and uh, he's walking along and he noticed one girl had no information and that was the only thing that clued him into maybe there was an issue right but he only caught it because it was out of place and everything else was just information that was there but he was just walking along having his life he wasn't stealing information he wasn't Absorbing everyone's information because he's a cop and he's trying to get people. He was living his life, but he had information at his fing- fingertips when he needed it. Interesting idea. It, it's. It, I think it demonstrated where we're going, which is once we get. And I, quite frankly, I use it all day, every day. It's a phone. It's a smartphone. It's a. It's everything I legitimately need. I don't even need a TV at this point. I have one because it's nice and big and I'm, you know, egotistical. But I can do everything from a, a palm-top device and as that technology gets better and smaller and more integrated, I think it just allows us to move away from looking at our hand to looking at everything else around us. And I think that improves society. And I think that's where it's going. 
in terms of your your tack. Right. Okay. I like it. Anything else? Back to the buildings real quick. Okay, go. Um, one of the things, uh, one of the designers of future buildings, which were dome-shaped, which is why I brought it up, um, and I apologize for getting off that topic too soon, but one of the things that he integrated was he would he, he built as like a test, right? All these individual dome houses for uh, anywhere from a single person on up to like a, a full-on family of like two adults, two children, and he situated it in a way that you were part of a community, but also you were isolated. And he did it all through uh, trees, shrubs, other plants, right? That broke up the design. And he, he made sure that everybody's home was sort of almost like, a, what do you call it, yin-yang type thing. Like you had like the yin-yang type uh, thing where you had a house and a house. But the way that the yard formed, there were lines between it. So you had neighbors. They were there. You would all take the same paths as you walked to transport stations and yeah, things you, like that. You, you should definitely share this with me so I can put it up on our Facebook and our okay. Instagram. I'll, so fi- I'll find it again. It, it was a very interesting documentary. It may still be on Netflix. But, um, they, but that little city center or, or residential center that he built as a concept was every single home was individually powered and it was also connected through pathways that you would walk. So you were still a part of the community, but you had your privacy and you were in a small space. So, you know, we talk about things like that might be a a moon colony. That also might be a Mars colony, but that could also be a colony in the desert. That could also be a colony in uh, the mountains where everyone's interconnected but has their own privacy. So you have as much interaction as you want personally. And it's still super efficient in terms of energy. And then if you're all connected through tech, right, let's, let's extrapolate it out. You're connected through tech. You can call or talk to anybody you want. Your head's up at all times. Right? Because you don't need to look down at anything. It's all integrated. That's fantastic. And I think it means a lot in terms of how we deal with each other as a social animal in our society. That's where I see the futurism go. Okay. I like it. I like it. Also, also robots will take over most of our jobs. (laughs) Um, So, do you have anything else that you want to say before we close out? or? No, I think that was it. Okay. Also, just futurism is awesome. If you haven't contemplated where we're going as a species, I think you should. I think it's a great exercise because, quite frankly, if you don't – I know I said I had nothing else to say. Um, If you don't consider where we could be going, you're limiting your own potential and accepting where we are. And that's when you get complacent. And that's when you get uh, stagnant in your own life. So, I don't know. Have an imagination? Is that what I'm saying? Yeah. I, you know what? I, and I think I think this is one that we're going to revisit because there are other things that I would love to, like, so we talked about energy. We talked about finances. We talked about just interaction 
in general. Housing, and, consuming uh, of, right. of materials. But there are things, um, uh, medicine, but Tech. there are things like... We covered a lot. Yeah, there. but there are things like warfare. There are things like... Um, God, I hope that's not a part of I, it. I really... I, I. That's why I didn't really I would hope it. to think that... But it would be naive not to. But it would be naive not to. That, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you... We're 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 still human beings. There's still certain aspects of our um, our, our nature that are going to creep make, out, creep out, and make their way through. And it it's beyond naive to ignore. You know. Um, yep. Fair. The 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 nature of how we wage war. You know, I was telling somebody else the other day. Um, um, Even in Star Trek, they had problems. Yeah. Well, I I, I was telling somebody else um, how I look at um, certain societies and the way that they conducted war told you a lot about a society, you know? Um, um, like the Vikings. The Vikings have a profound amount of respect for Vikings because Vikings would take their women to war with them. You know? And I think that says a lot about a society. What about the, uh, the, the dance contests that some tribes went through? Say again? So uh, some uh, African tribes, they wouldn't fight with spears and, and oh yeah thing. They would have a dance contest, and whoever was the strongest dancers, they they held sway. So bebop battles. In- oh my god, b-boy <laughs> battles would be amazing. <laughs> I would never compete. Let me make that clear right now. But uh, I would be fodder in a b-boy battle. But uh, oh yeah, that would be epic. Oh my god. <laughs> all right folks uh yeah that that's our episode on futurism and yes. we'll revisit this topic absolutely but in the meantime please tell us what is your view of the future maybe not this generation maybe not in your lifetime what is your view 50 of the future? 100 a thousand years into the future you don't even have to go a thousand you don't go, have to go a oh thousand. my god go oh, you just have to that's that's a protocol no I, i'm just saying you know just Think say about it. Just say a thousand. I don't know. Borg. <laughs> All right, folks. Later. But we're not really. It's later, but it's not later, but it's later. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Garbled Podcast. Please go to garbledpodcast.com for updates and check us out on all the social medias. Like, share, and then join in on the conversation.